So this week we read Pashat Chayesara, and the stories of Bereshit, they, they're really a guide. They're a guide to morality, but guide to ethics, but also in this week's Bereshit, they're a guide in a way of doing business. It's interesting to see how the, the Ora Chaim comments and Rabbeinu Bachya comment on uh, the exchange between Abraham and Ephron. So we read in the Torah this week, so Ephron is telling Abraham, listen Abraham, don't worry. Listen to me, the, the, the field is yours, the cave is yours, I'm giving it to you in front of everyone. Go and bury your dead. He speaks to Ephron in front of the witnesses. He needs this to be in public, it needs to be witnesses. Give me the amount of money for the field, and I'm going to bury my, my dead. And Ephron answers Abraham, What's the difference? What's the difference? 400 silver coins between me and you. And you should go bury your dead. Abraham listens to Ephron. He counts out the money that he said, and he does it in front of the witnesses again. 400 uh, shekel. So, some of the people ask the question, Abraham, why do you immediately pay what he wants? Don't you know the way of the Arabs is to throw a crazy price and to negotiate? So they always throw a crazy price. You have to come down and negotiate. Abraham, though, quickly gives him the money and he wants to walk away. And the question is why? So the Orach Haim HaKadosh says, Lo Adoni, when he's saying that, you know, you're not understanding the Pasuk correctly. It says that when Ephron is saying, Lo Adoni, he's saying, no, I'm not giving it to you. He's saying, and also you should know that if you want the cave, you have to buy the entire field around the cave. Because one doesn't go without the other. So he decided, he's showing here, and he says to him, Shema'eni, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Why? Because know that this is a deal, is not so simple, this deal. So he says also, the reason is, because once you use the cave as a cemetery, then the field is worthless to me. The whole field becomes like a cemetery. I don't want the field. You have to buy everything at once. So it's not just to buy a place to bury your wife. He says, and at the very beginning of the discussions, when the local people indicated the willingness to relinquish their own burial plots to Abraham, Ephron decided that the cave and the field are a single unit. So he repeats the fact that the transaction takes place in full view of the people, so that no one in the future could say. The Pasu continues, el Ephron. He said to Ephron, the use of the word ach, we see there by David, the ach, ach, why is he saying ach? So Abraham desired to proceed with a minimum further discussion. He was willing to pay him and finish. Pay and go. Again, why? The Rabbeinu Bachya, he writes, a piece of land worth 400 shekel. This is the meaning of the words according to Unkelos. So he's saying, according to Rabbi Nubachia, according to Unkelos, that this was the value of the land. Everyone understood it was the value of the land. 
He's not ripping him off. He's touching what it is. Another meaning of these words could be that Ephron suggested that either he or his ancestor had paid this sum of money for the land. In Bereshit Rabbah, they take the view that the piece of land in question was not worth anywhere near the price Ephron was charging. This is why his name is suddenly spelled without the letter Vav. Because if we take Ephron without the letter Vav, we see that the gematria of Ephron without the letter Vav is 400. This is all about the money. Oh my God. He says, Beni ubencha mahi. Between you and me, what's this? This is an example. It shows the difference. Avraham Avinu has the guests come to him and he says, let me give you a little piece of bread. And then he gives them a huge feast. Here we have Ephron says, let me give it to you for free. And all of a sudden, he shows him the bill. <laughs> Continues Rabbeinu Bachya. Abraham did not want to accept any gifts from him, but to fit, pay the full value. The Kesef Maleh. And we see also King David, when he goes to buy the, uh, the, uh, the, the animal, the site for the animals, he also wants to pay the full value. But the question is, there we could still ask why Abraham so quickly agrees to the price. So, I have an idea. tell me. That way, Ephron, for the rest of his life, is eating his heart after he didn't ask for Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is what Rabbi Horowitz says. He <laughs> got, got a bargain. The Boston Rebbe, uh, you know, from, uh, yeah. from Lawrence. So he tells a story, Rabbi Kamenetsky repeats it. He says that, that Rabbi Yosef Kahneman, the Panovich Rebbe, he was one of the foremost builders of Torah in the post-war era. And Rabbi Abitan, uh, you know, ended up going to study by him in, uh, in Panovich. So once he was welcomed to the home of a very wealthy individual. And this wealthy individual, he was sitting with the rabbi, he was so happy the rabbi came. And the rabbi really came to get a check to go to build the building that they wanted to build in, in B'nai Brak. Ah. Every time the rabbi tried to bring up the guy to write the check, the guy kept telling him, Divrei Torah, Divrei Torah, Divrei Torah, to share Divrei Torah with the rabbi. Finally, Rav Kahneman tells him a story. There was a woman in Poland. She had a daughter and her daughter was past her prime. She was in her late 20s. And the matchmaker declared... She suggested, you know, if you want to get your daughter married, people aren't going to want to marry a girl uh, 30 years old here. Says, what we could do is I know there's a guy in the passport office. If you give him a few dollars, he'll write her a passport and he'll change the age on the passport. (laughs) So the the woman said, okay, let's try. So the official, I told you my mother, when she worked right. for Army Intelligence, right. she was a month older than my father. So she had her, uh, her birth certificate, her license, everything was changed to 1927 so that no one should know she was a month older than my father. Because, you know, so he says, this official, this Polish official meets the woman. He looks at the girl. He says, it's not a big problem. He says, I'm sure there must have been an error processing her documents originally. <laughs> And of course, we're going to fix this horrible mistake. In fact, for a small service fee of 500 zloty, I'll take nine years off of her uh, birth and she'll be 21 years old. Wow. 
Despite the huge amount that the guy said, the mother said, okay. She didn't bargain, she didn't negotiate. She reached into her pocketbook and she took out 500 zloty and handed it to the guy. The guy now sees the money came so easily. And he says to himself, you know, for another 200 zloty, we'll make her 20 years old. That'll be much better than, 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 than 30, than 21 even. Maybe there was a bigger error. For 700 zloty, we'll fix it. Reluctantly, the mother agrees. She takes out the other 200. She hands it to him. And he goes, you know what? She could be 18 for another 300 zloty. Says the mother became very nervous. She handed the 700. She said, no, thank you. 20 years old is fine. She grabbed her daughter and she tells her daughter, quick, soon we're going to left with no money and no years. Okay? <laughs> so he says, the rabbi tells this story to, uh, to the man. And as soon as he told the man, the man stopped with his Devar Torah and handed the rabbi a sizable check. Abraham knew who he was negotiating with. He understand the longer he made Ephron wait, the possibility was he wasn't going to sell it to him or he was going to ask more and more. Sometimes you have to just bite it. You have to just do it and finish and don't worry about it. But just to end, I was looking because, you know, the Gemara writes that there are three locations in Eretz Yisrael which are indisputably the legal property of the Jewish people. They are Ma'arat HaMachpelah, the cave of Machpelah from this week's Perasha, the field outside Shechem, and the Temple Mount in Yushalayim. All three locations were purchased by the leaders of Israel, Abraham, David, Yaakov, for good and valuable consideration and for full, if not more than full market value. The purchases and the details of these purchases are all recorded in the Tanakh. Yet over the long history, even till this very moment, our title to all these locations is in dispute. So Rabbi Wine writes something unbelievable. He says the insight in this, into this paradoxical situation may be that the very reason that these properties are contested is because our claim to them is based on man-made laws and contracts and deeds and not on divine promise. All contracts, even all purchases in the world of ours are always subject to review, revision and cancellation. This is coming from a lawyer. <laughs> Governments rise and fall, circumstances and situations change, the definitions of rights is altered. He says, in short, nothing ever remains the same. Mm-hmm. Nothing in man's own created world is permanent. Therefore, the general world and certainly the Arab world contest our claim of ownership on these parts of land in Eretz Israel. Our deed is outdated and no longer valid. They say we abandoned our claim by not being present. For all those centuries, the Indian tribes in America also had signed and legal government deeds they have to large sections of the United States. But when the circumstances changed, <laughs> what happened? The American government did what they wanted to do. They abrogated. Right. So that the cl- claims to land are not very secure if they are only based on legalities, purchases and contracts. And that's why in the beginning of Bereshit, the first Rashi in Bereshit, what does it tell us? Why is the book of the Torah beginning with Bereshit? 
to tell you that Hashem owns everything Hashem decides. The claim of B'nai Israel to Eretz Israel is not based on contracts. It's not based on deeds. It's not based on a Balfour declaration. It's not based on the UN resolution. It's based upon the godly promise to our ancestor that the land of Israel belongs to, by God to their descendants. Those Jews for various personal and faith reasons deny this godly promise are very hard pressed to justify the evidence of the state of Israel and the Jewish claim to Jerusalem. Without this justification of belief and Jewish tradition, the claim of the nations of the world is you are thieves. Is what? You're thieves. And it sounds plausible and correct. The faith of Israel is based upon the revelation and will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have to do our part, for God certainly helps those who help themselves. But in the final analysis, it's obvious that we derive our rights and claims not merely from current behavior, but rather from the rights based upon ancient faith and religious tenets and beliefs. Rav Sadia Gaon stated that our nationhood is based solely on the Torah. Hebron and the cave of Machpelah prove how right he was and he is still today.